Welcome to season one of Writing Around the Kids podcast. We've got a brilliant selection of women writers for you who each week will be telling us about the highs and lows of what it is to be a writer in the world. And they're also going to be reading from one of their books, so it's going to be totally ace. We really hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome to the Writing Around the Kids podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Anna and we are delighted today to welcome Nikki Smith. Hi Nikki. Hi, hello, lovely to be here. Thank you so much. So um, Nikki studied English literature at Birmingham University before pursuing a career in finance where she worked for companies including an investment bank and a trampoline park. Following a now or never moment, she applied for a Curtis Brown creative course where she started writing her debut novel, All in Her Head, which was preempted by Ryan in a two book deal. It went on and it went on to be an Amazon bestseller, was nominated for The Guardian, not the Booker Prize, and has been optioned for TV. Her second novel, Look What You Made Me Do, was published in April 2021. She's represented by Sophie Lambert at CNW Agency and lives near Guildford with her husband and two teenage daughters and a cat who thinks she's a dog. <laughs> Welcome, Nikki. Hi, lovely to be here. So um, we're just going to get uh, cracking with you doing a reading, Look What You Made Me Do. Um, and I'm just going to read the blurb to give our listeners a context for that. So two people can keep a secret if one of them is dead. Sisters Joe and Caroline are used to hiding things from each other. They've never been close, taking it in turns to feel on the outside of their family unit, playing an endless game of favourites. Joe envies Caroline's life. Things have always come so easy to her. Then a family inheritance falls entirely to Joe, and suddenly now Caroline wants what Joe has, needs it even. But just how far will she go to get it? Brilliant. Over to you, Nikki. And would you just mind giving a bit of context about the bit that you're going to be reading so that um, our listeners know where in the book this this kind of extract's from? Yep, not a problem. So this extract um, is actually from the prologue. Um, and I, I quite like the prologue and um, it kind of sets up the scene for what's going to happen um, in the rest of the book. So um, the, the book is actually set um, over one month in July 2018 um, in a village in southeast England. Paul notices it first. I'm too busy darting from one room to another trying to find her, anxiety expanding in my chest like a balloon making it hard to breathe. She isn't in the kitchen or the lounge or behind the sofa in the snug, although with the various toys lying discarded on the floor and felt-tip pens and colouring books littering every surface, I have to look twice to double-check. I run upstairs two at a time, my heart pumping and throw open her bedroom door. The room is empty. Dropping down on my hands and knees, I peer under her bed. Livy? My voice wavers and I clear my throat. There's no answer and nothing to see on the cream carpet apart from a thin layer of dust, the grey fluff forming thick circles round the bottom of each wooden leg as if attracted by a magnet. I stand up and wince, biting my lip as a burning pain shoots through my toe. I've caught it on the edge of her chest of drawers. Cursing, I hobble into Grace's room, pulling open her white-painted wardrobe doors covered in half-torn Disney Frozen stickers that she's tried to peel off now she's outgrown them. The rows of clothes hanging motionless, no pairs of small legs protruding underneath. Livy, it's Mummy, I shout into the silence, trying to ignore the throbbing in my foot. You need to come out if you're hiding. I promise I won't be cross. 
I listen intently, praying for the sound of a creaking floorboard, a muffled giggle, footsteps scuttling across the carpet. Nothing. Our bedroom is at the other end of the hall, where our duck egg blue throw lies undisturbed on top of the duvet, in exactly the same position I'd left it this morning. There's no sign of any obvious telltale lumps that I pretend not to spot during one of our games of hide-and-seek. Oh God, where is she? Our wardrobe is locked. The bathroom's empty. I wince as I swallow the metallic taste where I've bitten the inside of my cheek, running back down the stairs to the kitchen. She's not upstairs. I've searched everywhere, I say. Paul glances over my shoulder whilst I'm speaking, staring out through the patio doors across our lawn. He's not listening to me. I grab his arm to get his attention, wondering if he can feel the same ice-cold fingers that are squeezing my lungs, the same weight that has sunk to the bottom of my stomach like an anchor, preventing me from moving. What are you looking at? I ask, trying not to shout. We've already checked outside. I can't keep the edge of hysteria out of my voice as I pull on the sleeve of his shirt, urging him to do something, anything, to find her. He shakes my hand off roughly, pushing me aside as he twists the door handle and realises it's locked, his gaze still fixed on the bottom of the garden. What? What is it? I screw up my eyes against the brightness and blink away the tears that blur my vision. She's not out there, Paul. Two swings dangle limply beneath a metal frame and the trampoline is empty, the canvas mat stretched tight, waiting expectantly for the next jumper. Get out of the way, he yells. I stagger backwards, shocked by his unexpected aggression. Are you blind, Joe? He jabs his finger repeatedly towards the end of the garden as he struggles to get the key off its hook on the wall and into the lock. I can't see what he's pointing at. There, he shouts, look! I can hear the panic in his voice as he fights to open the door. At first, all I can discern through the faint patterns of small handprints smeared on the pane of glass is his office at the end of the garden, the timber structure silhouetted against the evening sun. He finally manages to turn the key before I notice the faint haze around the bottom of the building that is spreading slowly across the grass. It drifts and swirls and the smell hits me the moment Paul flings open the patio door. Smoke. Have you searched in there? He glances at me and I don't need to answer. He sprints across the lawn, screaming her name as I sink down onto the tiled floor, unable to move as I watch the flames appear. Their red and orange tongues are initially hesitant, contemplating the taste, but once they realise it's a meal to be savoured, they rise up and devour the whole building in a matter of minutes. Oh, oh my God. God! Honestly, I remember reading this bit and just like the the anxiety of it. You get that wet, like that. Yeah, it it comes across so well. Remember, like my heart rate just going when I was it's reading totally it. It's totally a parent's absolute worst nightmare. This is just yeah, so tense. And it just really, I think it, it does a brilliant job as well of um, like hooking the reader into the story. So, yeah. um, what gave you the idea for this book? Oh goodness, um, I think it was I think it was a kind of mixture of ideas actually. Um, I mean, there's a there's a theme of coercive control, which obviously. Yeah is kind of one of the main themes of the book um, and I think that's always fascinated me um, uh, and so I wanted to write about that um, and then also I think um, kind of family intrigue generally um, it can make for kind of a very explosive drama um, and I think the um, the kind of Harry and Meghan thing was kind of going on um, around then as well and it just you know it, it just kind of yeah made me made me kind of put together a number of ideas and kind of incorporate them all into this book. And in, in the the genre that you write would you get to describe it as like psychological thriller would that be? Yes yes I think so yes. Does, um, is it 
had you always known that that, that this is that's what you want to write i mean that your the characters that you create are so compelling um yeah have you have you always known that you wanted to kind of write about the like the darker side of of people in the world or personalities um that's that's an interesting question um i don't know i don't think well i think probably i have yes but i think that um i mean i wrote a book when i first left university which was really rubbish and um, <laughs> lost i think and um if you kind of looked at that and and, and kind of tried to put it into a genre it wouldn't it wouldn't fit anywhere it was kind of a mishmash of all different kinds of things but um i think i think i've always been fascinated by the darker sides yeah of, of people's kind of characters um i used to love stephen king and things like yeah. that and just generally his characterization i think is is unbelievably brilliant um so yeah from that from that perspective it has but it's it took me a while i think to kind of work out what i was actually writing and and i think just to get to know the kind of I, I had no background in the publishing industry before I wrote a book. You know, I, I didn't know anyone in it. I didn't really know anything about it. And I don't think I even realised, I knew what I liked to read, but I didn't necessarily realise how, you know, genre specific a book yeah. be or a publisher needs a book to be, to be able to put it somewhere on the shelf and sell it. Yeah. So what kind of research do you do, you do before you come to the point where you're ready to put like pen to paper as it were yes quite a lot I think um I mean I think particularly for for this book um I did quite a lot of research on um coercive control and um spoke to a lot of women who'd been involved in relationships like that um to get an idea of of kind of what it was like um and how they felt um and I wasn't necessarily so interested not interested that's probably the wrong word but I I wanted to I was fascinated by the number of women who were in coercive control relationships that didn't necessarily involve outright physical violence yeah the um the kind of insidiousness um and the the kind of fear of of expectation on what's going to happen next is or can be as terrifying as physical violence itself so it was it was that kind of idea that I wanted to explore and um are you are you a writer that um plans out your work before we kind of had this idea of um you know uh, people talk about planners and pantsers but we're going with gardeners and architects which um is kind of, <laughs> do you grow your garden as you're going or um do you and have your, your structure, your structure yeah. there your blueprint I, I definitely have a structure um well it's interesting because um if you'd have asked me that after my first novel I just said no I'm a pantser I just I just write as I go along but um I think it's a very different um concept uh the kind of whole first novel um because generally authors have spent years trying to write something that gets published and um it, those ideas have had a very long time to kind of brew in your head um, and you know it's taken probably you're often doing you know a full-time job alongside it so it takes a long time to write it um, and so you've kind of thought of you've done all that building block subconsciously yeah. uh, and then when you come to write your second novel it's very different because well, certainly in my case, it, it was a kind of finite amount of time I had to do it um, when your first book gets kind of announced. And, you know, you probably got a year to kind of get that second one out. So it's a much more condensed period of time. So 
I think that planning becomes much more, particularly maybe for thrillers. I don't know. I mean, I don't write romance, so I don't know, but um, maybe it's exactly the same. But certainly for me, to understand where the beats in the story are, to understand where my midpoint is um, and how I'm going to get myself there and how I'm going to get myself out of it. Um, I think that, that that's critical for me. I don't, I wouldn't say that I plan, you know, I'm not to, I don't plan out every scene as I write because um, I think that takes some of the joy out of writing. Yeah. Um, a plan might change, but I think it's important to have that framework for me and the way I write, I need that frame. I need to write to a framework so I can understand where I'm going. But what does that look like uh, practically? Are you somebody who uses like spreadsheets or have you got like the kind of like the bonkers wall on your office that's just notes and post-it notes and, you know, and scribbles everywhere? Like how, how, do, you, how do you practically plan what it is that you're doing? I use spreadsheets. Um, I mean, I was an accountant in my life. <laughs> and um, so, I, yes, I love Excel. So, a brilliant transferable skill. Yes, exactly. Um, so I tend to build up a kind of plan where I'll often have um, a page for research on Excel where I can kind of just bung in all the different kind of websites and things that I've um, looked at, which I also found is uh, very useful because otherwise you think that you'll remember where you've got something from and you don't um, when you come back to try and find it afterwards. Um, I'll probably have a tab kind of on each character where I might have a picture of them so I can kind of remind myself what they look like um, and the kind of key facts about that character. So, you know, their age may be and, um, I don't know some some kind something about their personality that stands out to me so that hopefully that would kind of grab the reader as well um and then i have a page where i will basically put my chapter numbers down the left hand side and then i will kind of start plotting out what happens in each chapter um marking out where a kind of a quarter of the way through the book halfway through the book three quarters of the way book through and at the end so i can kind of see where i'm going and often when I start, I'll know the first bit and I'll know probably the last bit where I'm aiming to get to, but I won't necessarily know what happens in the middle. Oh, that's interesting. So do you ever write the end before you've written the middle then? I don't write it, but I will put it into my kind of spreadsheet. Yeah. Um, that idea of where I want to get to. Um, so, yes. So I, I could well know that yeah, before and it's just working out how I get there. And when, when you said um, on your tabs on character that you've got a picture of them, does that, is that um, an actual picture or like a written description? On the internet, yeah, who images of, you know, type in, you know, like, I don't know, 40-year-old woman um, or something like that and have a look at kind of all the different things that pops up. It's generally not celebrities. Because yeah. They, they're too well known to, you know, to me or something. And I, and well, obviously there's celebrities that I don't know and I could bung one of them in, but it's, it's just, just people or out of a magazine or something like some photo of somebody that, you know, anything like that, but I'll just something that kind of appeals and I'll put that in as well. Oh, I love that idea. It's, yeah, really. Um, Cause I kind of, I, I have an idea in my head of what they look like, but haven't actually ever seen them but yeah I, I might give that give that a go yeah it's a really good tip actually isn't it because then you have got a real yeah. life person that you're writing about completely and often you will come back kind of halfway through the book and think mm, do they have blue eyes green eyes what color were they you know that kind of thing or what color was their hair or something like that and then I think if you've always got that to kind of go back to you can 
yeah you know what you're you know what you're trying to describe I guess so what's your I mean you've described like the the kind of process in terms of writing that you that you plan that you have your spreadsheets and that you have um yeah the different kind of ways of being able to work through the process of what it is that you're writing but in terms of the 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 kind of your actual day routine day, yeah. yeah what what does that look like if we were going to like uh, shadow Nikki Smith for a day a writing day what would we be doing <laughs> you'd probably be quite horrified <laughs> go on shock us what do you do <laughs> Um, well, it's it's interesting because obviously, I mean, my my second book was um, was written a lot in lockdown, um, and so the, the whole process kind of went out of the window there, I think. But but generally now, um, what what I will try to do, and I'm very fortunate in that my um, kids are older, so I've now got a 16 year old and a 14 year old, so they're they're pretty much you know self sufficient. But um, I will drop them at school. Um, and then come back and and write basically it's like you know any other kind of a job um, where I will try and set myself um, if it depends which bit of the writing process that I'm in but if I'm doing a first draft um, then I will set myself a word goal for the day um, and that again will depend on how long I've got to write the book Um, but I would try to do not less than a thousand words a day um, or 5,000 words a week, it really, you know, because it depends, sometimes I've got other stuff going on, um, and I'll do nothing on one day, and then 2,000 words on another, um, but I don't like doing that, I like to try and spread it out, um, and then, but if I'm editing, um, then I'd say it's it's generally a lot more um, intense a process, I think, um, and again, I would start when the, I drop the kids at school, um, I would stop kind of when they come home from school but often if I'm editing I need to kind of carry on working in the evenings and things um just because you know the the time period that you have to do those in is generally quite short to get them back to your editor and so you just need to be able to it's that time I think when you're trying to hold an entire book in your head um, yeah um so yeah that that's that that always feels to me very intense yeah and what happens so when you're in kind of the first draft phase and you you know you've got your thousand word goal for the day but you sat in front of your computer and nothing is happening and you just can't get started what what do you do to kind of um you know shake up your inspiration or to um yeah i'm yeah, get going i might try and i'll probably do some chores like you know get the washing on hang it out do some ironing might go for a walk um but generally that's well often yeah play around on social media but that's it's really just procrastinating you know I just need to kind of just sit and write something and at the end of the day even if the thousand words are rubbish which does happen you know definitely and I know I'm going to have to delete them at least you're kind of you feel like you're one step further on I think and it might push the plot forward or you might suddenly find out something about a character that you didn't know before and um and so I think it's important just to kind of keep going and um I think so much can be fixed all the pretty language and all the kind of you know little details and things can come in and edit but initially you just need to get the story down on paper yeah I think you're so right and I think also I I think it's sometimes you know with those points it's easy to go down that rabbit warren of under the guise of research and then you're kind of buggering about on Facebook and looking at old people like friends that used to have from school or a boyfriend from 30 years ago and stuff and have found that sometimes just turning off all of those 
all the noise as well so at least as you say as you're writing it might not be what it is that you want to write but at least there's, there's words there that you can you can at least work with aren't there yes absolutely i mean i'm i'm dread twitter is just dreadful for me um and uh i i could be you know i could be on there and turn around and kind of two hours has gone by you know yeah pulling around and having a look at what people are doing and you know um things like that so yeah i i'm much better if i just take social media kind of stuff out of it um and just focus on getting the words down but on that i guess there is a really good writing community through twitter isn't there like um just thinking when you were saying about in the first like with writing during lockdown that 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 was a way back into connecting with other people did you how did you find that I mean if you use Twitter as your like main medium in terms of social media have you connected with other writers that way who maybe you haven't met before and so on yes absolutely I mean I think um because my debut came out um literally five days I think after we went lockdown um I was yeah I guess one of those unfortunate uh, kind of 2020 debuts and um, I met a lot of other authors on Twitter who were you know incredibly supportive and um, a lot of um, people actually formed a kind of debut group um, we got together everybody who was launching that year um, and kind of we you know we chat on Facebook and things um, and that's that was really really helpful because at the time I didn't really know that many other authors I didn't know people out there and obviously all the events were kind of book events were cancelled because nobody was going out or doing anything um, so from that point of view you know yes I think it can be it can be really helpful and um, I've, yeah I've met lots of other authors on Twitter it's quite funny when you actually now are starting to go out and meet people in real life it's kind of looking for their Twitter kind of focus. yeah, yeah. Like, do I know this do I not know this person it's, it's quite odd um, but yes I've, I've chatted to lots of you know lots of lovely people and you know I think the, the kind of writing community um, is so supportive anyway um, you know everybody is just generally really nice so um, yeah, it's been I think that that has been really helpful it made you feel or certainly made me feel far less cut off um, and isolated um, and I think that that first year um, of, of having a book out in the world would have been I mean it was pretty miserable because it was COVID anyway but yeah. been a lot more miserable if I hadn't had yeah people. those connections yeah. and so yeah so you so first book obviously out uh, in lockdown second book written in lockdown um, and now your third one, you know, the world's a bit more back to normal <laughs> while you're writing your third one. You know, how's your experience of, of that going? Yeah, it's good. Um, I mean, I think I think um, yeah, because the second one, um, it was written in lockdown and actually came out in lockdown as well. We were back in lockdown by the time that second one came out. So um, I felt particularly um, unlucky. I think I've been with the kind of, yes, lock books in lockdown. So I'm hoping that the third one, um, I won't have the same experience um again and um i might actually get a kind of book launch in person or <laughs> go to the pub anyway yes yeah, i know that's the dream isn't it you want to be able to have a glass of fizz with everybody else and just be like yes i've done it here it is i'm holding it thank you <laughs> yes exactly rather than saying oh yes look at my books in the warehouse somewhere and they're not getting... i know and no more bloody zoom launches please we just <laughs> yeah we want real people don't we who are in 3d Absolutely. Yes. I mean, that that will be 
it, it's very odd you know as you well know as well it's is you know it's just yeah it's been yes very weird couple of years but um but yes hopefully hopefully the third one won't um be like that so yes that comes out um next year so um we will look yeah, forward we'll, to that certainly will and um as a as a kind of final question for you nikki um so some of the people who will be listening to the podcast um will be re maybe relatively new to writing or be listening to you and thinking okay what's the first step what do i do first so what kind of advice would you give to a new a relatively new writer what do they what what do you wish you knew before you'd started oh goodness i think um I would, I would give a couple of pieces of advice. I would say learn as much as you can about the publishing industry itself. Um, I I didn't know anything when I when I first tried to write a novel, and that's probably you know one of the reasons it was so rubbish. Um, and I think you have to understand a bit about how the industry works, and that um, that probably that that books are products um, as well as kind of. I think um, things of passion that you want to write about and it's trying to find I think where those two kind of points meet in terms of um, you've got to meet um, what an editor is looking for and um, produce something saleable um, otherwise your your book isn't going to end up you know on the shelves or in the shops kind of yeah. thing um, but at the same time you've got to be passionate about what you're writing um, because otherwise it, it's not you know it, it will just show in your writing so I would say learn about the publishing industry I would say um, probably try and make contacts on Twitter join in the writing community um, you can kind of see some of the trends that are coming up um, and the things that people want to publish um, the things that people are writing about I think that's quite helpful um, and then I would say just just kind of treat your writing seriously, try and carve out some time for it in the day, even if that's only a very small slot, even if you're doing 500 words a day, um, it doesn't take as long as you think it would um, to build up enough words for a novel. I mean, that would take what six months, I think, if you were going to kind of going to do 90,000 words. So um, it is quite possible, um, but you just need to keep keep at it keep just going. keep going yeah brilliant advice there thank you nikki um so if our if people wanted to find you could you um give us a rundown your website social media oh yes um yes on twitter um my handle is um at mrs smith monday um which is a bit odd i know but my surname is smith and my maiden name was monday um and uh i'm also on facebook um and instagram as nikki smith author brilliant thank you so much nikki it's been a real pleasure talking to you thank you for sharing your experience and also for that fabulous reading as well thanks ever so much for having me it was a pleasure thank you We hope you enjoyed that Writing Around the Kids podcast. For lots of information about writing and writing prompts and tips, have a look at our website, www.writingaroundthekids.co.uk. And search Writing Around the Kids to find us on all our socials and please like and subscribe to this podcast.